Well, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you here on this beautiful May Sunday in Central Texas. If we have if we've not met before, my name is Austin. I get to serve here as one of our lead pastors, and it's great to see everybody. Uh, if you're new, you weren't here last week. We started a new series last week. A series called Songs, Finding God in the Music. The premise of the series is very, very simple. Each week we take a song and we listen to it. We listen to what it's saying, we listen to what it's asking, and we put that in conversation with Scripture to see how that harmonizes and or clashes with Christian faith. And we noted that this is actually very similar to the way that Jesus himself tended to teach. Because instead of, you know, like doing a word-by-word study of Leviticus, what Jesus tended to do instead is he would tell people stories. He'd make observations about the world around them, and then he would take these stories and observations that we call parables. He would relate them to Scripture to help people discern the presence of God at work in the world all around them. And this is why Karl Barth, probably the most famous and important theologian of the 20th century, he once advised young preachers that they ought to have their Bible in one hand and their newspaper in the other so they can understand the news biblically. Okay, here's the way he said it. This is really great. He says, hey, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read them both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. Isn't that good? All right, wake up in your morning coffee. You have your Bible in one hand, your newspaper in the other so that you can understand the news biblically. Now, I know that like seven of us still read the newspaper and they were all in eight o'clock service. And so instead of, they're the responsible ones in eight o'clock. Instead of grabbing our newspapers, what we're doing in this series is, you know, man, we're, we're grabbing the jukebox, we're grabbing the playlist, we're grabbing the vinyls, and then we're grabbing our Bibles so that we can understand these times in which we live and listen a bit more biblically. Now, last week, we, we kicked off the series uh, by listening to a song by one of the most famous bands in the world, Coldplay. This week, we're, we're kind of doing the opposite, and we're going to listen to a song by the most unfamous musician who has ever appeared in our song series. Uh, I started listening to him a few years ago. I'm a huge fan. He's very beloved in the Fisher household. He's, uh, well, he's a native Texan. Do I need to say anything? He's a native Texan. He, he's born and raised in Houston. We have any Houston people in the crowd? I think we've probably got a few. A few Houston people. One of you. Okay. Uh, one Houston person in the crowd. Uh, currently residing in Austin. And as a native Texan, his music has some of that just like stubborn, separatist swag that we Texans just naturally tend to have. I know we have a lot of people here from California. We're glad to have you all. This is what America looks like to a Texan, right? There's Texas. There's some stuff here. There's some other stuff there. Mexico's somewhere down there. This is what the world looks like to a Texan. Uh, his music is a mix of like Americana folk rock with a little bit of Texas country vibe mixed in. And I don't think he's famous enough for anybody to guess. I'd be very impressed if you could. So for this week's giveaway, we do a little Guess the Artist giveaway every week. Instead of guessing the artist, we're going to do some Texas trivia. Okay, so here's the way it works. I'm going to ask a question. If you get it right, then you will, you will win this. And it has to go above your fireplace, obviously, in perpetuity in your household. And so here's the Texas trivia question. Raise your hand if you think you know it. First person gets the prize. The world's first frozen margarita machine was invented in what Texas city? San Antonio. San Antonio? That's a good guess, but it is not correct. Yes. Austin, also a good guess. Not correct. Well, you got to raise your hands. People can't whisper. I can't hear you from up here. Belton. Oh, that is a great guess. <laughs> Dallas, Texas. We have a winner. Give her a hand. 
I'm going to come to your house and this better be, I expect a frozen margarita and that to be over your fireplace, okay? The light bulb, the airplane, the frozen margarita machine. So all that said, uh, this week's song is by native Texan David Ramirez, and it's called, here's David, it's called Stick Around. It's a great song. song about the tension between freedom and belonging. If you're new here, what we do is I'll read the lyrics to you so you got them ringing in your ears, and then we'll listen to the song together. All right, so let's stick around by David Ramirez. He says, I'm going to hop on that train today. I got nowhere to go, but no reason to stay. In four years, I've traveled 160,000 miles. The wind keeps pulling me out. Now, maybe I go because I'm chasing something, or maybe I go because something's chasing me. Maybe I leave because I've yet to find someone to look me in the face and say, and this is the course, stick around. I want you next to me. Stick around. There ain't no reason for leaving. Now, the road's been hard, but I'll never bring you down. So stick around. All right, verse 2. Postcards and road maps, empty alleyways, cigarettes. Five miles till my next exit, then I'll be singing to a room full of strangers. I miss my family. I miss my brother. I wonder if his son is ever going to know me. I wonder if I'll have a son that I could call my own. I wish somebody would hold me down and say, stick around. At least occasionally, stick around. There ain't no reason for leaving. This life's too good, boy. And I think you're missing out. So stick around. So I'm going to hop on that train today. I got nowhere to go, but no reason to stay. In four years, I've traveled 160,000 miles. Maybe one day, I'll stick around. All right, so because we got this pro-Texana local vibe going today, I thought it would only be appropriate if we had a, a local artist perform the song for us today. So if you would, give a warm welcome to the Vista Band as they play Stick Around by David Ramirez. Got nowhere to go, no reason to stay. In four years I've traveled 160,000 miles, and the wind keeps pulling me out. Maybe I go cause I'm chasing something. Maybe I go cause something is chasing me. Maybe I leave cause I've yet to find someone to look me in the face. And say, stick around. I want you next to me. Stick around. There ain't no reason for leaving. The road's been hard, boy, but I'll never bring you down. So stick around. Those cards and road maps. Empty alleyways, cigarettes, five miles to my next exit. Then I'll be singing to a room of strangers. I miss my family, I miss my brother. I wonder if his son is ever gonna know me. I wonder if I'll have a son I could call my own. I wish someone would hold me down and say, stick around. At least occasionally stick around. There 
nothing to gain. I got nowhere to go, but no reason to stay. In four years I've traveled 160,000 miles. Maybe one day, maybe one day. So, modern people like, like you and me, uh, we are, by any quantifiable measure, the freest people in the history of the world. I know you've had to wear masks for a year, so you don't feel very free, but trust me, we are the freest people in the history of the world on an unprecedented scale. You and me, y'all, we can live wherever we want, do whatever we want, work in whatever job we want, be whatever we want. If you wanted, you could start like a new life with a new family and a new job on the other side of the country by like tomorrow. You could do that. You could snap your fingers and have a completely new life on the other side of the country by tomorrow. And if you've got a four-year-old in your house, you've probably thought about it once or twice. And this profound change has actually happened very very, very quickly, so quickly that it's hard to appreciate it. For frame of reference, um, not too many generations ago, right, our like great, great, great grandparents would have been born, lived, and died in the exact same house, and they would have never traveled more than a few miles from home. And up until recently, this was true of every single human in the history of the world. I mean, y'all, by the time you were like five years old, you had already met more people and traveled further than all of your ancient ancestors combined. Like in this room today, there are more people than your great-great-grandparents ever met in their entire life. It's unbelievable. And in a lot of ways, it's awesome. This, this newfound freedom to like meet all these people and go to all these places. We have never been freer. And yet, if you've noticed, we've also never been lonelier. Now, back in 2007, then U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy declared that our country was in the midst of an epidemic that was years in the making. No, it was not COVID. It's an epidemic of loneliness. The U.S. Surgeon General declared an epidemic of loneliness in America. And here's the basic idea. For basically all of human history, all humans were forced to live intimate lives with a very small community. Nobody lived by themselves, ever, in the whole history of the world. Nobody ever lived by themselves. <clears throat> because do you know what living by yourself meant? It meant you were going to die by yourself and die very quickly. You would die of, of malnutrition, you would freeze to death, or you'd be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Those were your three options if you wanted to live by yourself for all of human history. So nobody lived by themselves. And then also nobody was like a citizen of the world. No such thing. No citizens of the world. No. You were a member of your like tiny little village and community. And maybe you knew of the village or community that was just right beside you. But that was it. That was all you knew. That was the world to you. And for various reasons, right? For, for, for history, biology, or perhaps the, the providence of God working through history and biology, the simple fact is that human beings are designed biologically, historically, theologically designed to thrive as members of intimate and small communities. Your brain is literally wired for that, okay? And about 200 years ago, something happens. Here comes the modern world with all of its blessings and freedoms. And now, you and me, we have a choice. 
do we want to live intimate lives in small communities? Or do we want to live big and by ourselves? And by and large, modern people have shifted toward living big and by themselves. For example, over 25% of Americans now live by themselves. Highest it's ever been. And that is up from approximately uh, 0% for all of human history. (laughs) And again, there's some nice things about that. You know, not having your, your roommate rummaging through your snacks in the middle of the night. It's great in a lot of ways, but it also comes with certain consequences, namely loneliness. Because while we have all this freedom, y'all, this is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard. When Americans are asked how many close confidants they have, the most common answer is now zero. If I were to poll the room, hey, how many close friends do you have? The answer I would get the most is zero. That's what our song's about this morning. In a lot of ways, this is like, y'all, it is the quintessential modern song. This tension, this struggle between freedom and belonging. Because on the one hand, we we love this freedom, freedom to go live where we want, be whatever we want, do whatever we want, that's great. But also down deep in our bones, in our hearts, we wish that somebody would grab us and tell us to stick around. We wish that somebody would help us, teach us how to belong somewhere, man. As David Ramirez says in the song, modern people like you and me, we got nowhere to go. But we also got no reason to stay because anonymity is the price of autonomy. You want to be autonomous, you want to be free, then you're going to be anonymous. And so now that we have heard the modern news that you and me, we are the freest and loneliest people in the history of the world. Let's see if we can understand that news a bit more biblically. So if you've got your Bibles, grab them. We'll be in Galatians 5. And I'd always encourage you to bring your Bibles. It's a good habit to fill the pages between your fingers. I'm going to set the context a little bit here for us. In Galatians, Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia meaning that he's writing primarily to these Gentile Christians who have a very complicated relationship with Judaism and the law. This complicated relationship is being made even more complicated by the fact that you've got these well-meaning but very misguided Jewish Christians who believe that Gentiles must fully observe the law, which most importantly for males included, you know, circumcision, if they wanted to be accepted by God. And so the whole letter to the Galatians is Paul trying to help these Gentiles understand, no, you don't have to fully observe the Torah if you want to be accepted by God. Or as Paul puts it in probably the most memorable verse in Galatians, Galatians 5 verse 1, you know this verse. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Or if you wanted to summarize Galatians in a sentence, this is how you would do it. Jesus died so you wouldn't have to get snipped. Guys, you remember this when you're getting pressure into the old vasectomy. It was for freedom that Christ set me free. And so with that context in mind, Paul's saying, you don't have to get snipped. You're accepted by God. Let's turn to Galatians 5. We'll read verses 13 through 14 here. Short but filled with a lot of good stuff. Paul says, hey, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. So 
bearing in mind that Paul spends the majority of Galatians relentlessly reminding these Gentiles that they are free, right? They are free from slavery to the law. They are free from slavery to circumcision. They are free from slavery to sin. He then does something very interesting here in verses 13 through 14. Right? Having, having shouted their freedom from the rooftops for like the whole letter, Paul then makes a very important clarification. He says, look, Jesus has set you free. Jesus set you free. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And this phrase, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, in that phrase, the word opportunity is the Greek word for me, and it refers to the like base of operations for a military campaign. So if you're about to like invade another country or nation or whatever, your for me would be the base of operations where you're getting all your stuff together. And so here's the picture that Paul's trying to paint here. The idea is that in the crucifixion and resurrection, Christ has defeated the power of sin. He has kicked Satan out of our lives and thus given our lives back to us as a space of joy and freedom. Okay, God, through Christ, has kicked Satan out of our lives. But if we're not careful, this space of joy and freedom that Christ has given us can then become a base of operations and a for me for the insurgency of the self. If we're not careful, we will indulge the freedom that Christ has given us in ways that will lead us right back into slavery and the worst kind of slavery at that, slavery to ourselves. Right? You get the picture, Satan's been kicked out, there's all this free space, but if you're not careful, you can become a slave to yourself. Right? Right? And so here's what Paul says, how do we make sure that we don't use our freedom in ways that makes us slaves to ourselves? That's what Paul says. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to one another. In other words, your freedom from slavery will turn you into a slave to yourself unless you enslave yourself to the good of others. I'll say that again. That's what Paul's saying here. Your freedom from slavery, it'll turn you into a slave to yourself if you do not then enslave yourself to the good of others. So according to Paul, we've really only got two options here. You can become a slave to yourself... Or you can enslave yourself to the good of others. But there is no other option. It is a binary choice. It is A or B. There is no C on this deal. You will serve yourself or you will enslave yourself to the good of others. And that is bound to bother modern people like you and me. This is bother you. It bothers me. Because, you know, we modern people, we invented the frozen margarita machine. We can do anything. We want to have our cake and eat it too. Because we, we want to be good people. We do. All modern people, for the most part, they want to be good people. But we also want to do our own thing, don't we? Yeah. And so we tell ourselves that we can be good people without enslaving ourselves to the good of others. I don't want to enslave myself to anybody. And we tell ourselves that we don't really need to submit to learning how to belong for the long haul to a people, to a place, to a marriage, to a family, to a company, to a job, to a church, and on an industrial scale that is easily quantifiable in terms of divorce, church membership, and a loneliness epidemic. The modern infatuation with freedom is creating placeless people who do not know how to belong somewhere. We don't know how to belong somewhere. In fact, it's just recently come out, like in the last few months, that for the first time in American history, a majority of Americans are not members of religious communities. First time in American history. More people not belonging to religious communities than belonging to them. And while we don't have time to unpack all the scriptures associated with this today, 
It is important to note that the Bible is actually very, very hard on people who refuse to learn how to belong somewhere. Very hard on people who refuse to learn how to belong. For example, you may have noticed in the New Testament letters that there's a lot of talk about false prophets. You ever noticed that and wondered, like, what's, what, what was going on with that thing? You got all these kind of prophets wandering around, and you might have noticed that one of the marks of a false prophet was that they were usually wandering prophets. If there, was a, if there was a wandering prophet, it was probably a false prophet. So in other words, if you had some prophet show up at your church, some alleged prophet, saying they had a word from the Lord, but they didn't belong to any specific community, then they were probably a false prophet. Right? So if they showed up and they're like, hey, I got a word from the Lord for your community, you'd be like, okay, cool, man. Um, <clears throat> say, where'd you say you were from? What, what church are you from? Can I call you pastor? Oh, well, I don't have a pastor. I just kind of do my, I'm super spiritual. I don't really need any of that stuff. No, nope, no thanks. They're a false prophet. You don't have a word from the Lord. You got a word from yourself. And we don't need to hear your word from yourself in our church, right? That's the way the New Testament thinks about it. Second Peter 2 has a great example of it. Listen to this. <clears throat> it says, there will be false teachers among you. Now, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. They are springs without water. They're misdriven around by a storm. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. Right? What's a false prophet? A wandering prophet. A mist driven by the storm who despises authority and promises freedom all the while they just walk around as slaves to themselves with words from themselves, not from the Lord. Right, so let's wrap up with this. I have, uh, I've been at Vista for, gosh, about nine and a half years now. Average tenure of a pastor in America is three years. And so I'm very sorry you've had to put up with Dave and me for so long. You do not deserve this. And about five years ago, I really hit a wall here at the Vista. Um, I got frustrated, and I got restless, and I started to hear that like familiar modern siren song telling me that the problem was you all. <laughs> you know, the problem was this place, the problem was these people, you know, and I needed to spread my wings and fly and go do my own thing. And, and maybe I was chasing something, or maybe something was chasing me, but the simple fact is that I was feeling claustrophobic, and I wanted out because I told myself the solution was somewhere else. You know, I had to get out of here. And through various events and people, a number of whom are in this room this morning, God gradually helped me understand that the problem wasn't this place and these people. The problem wasn't you. Oh, the problem was me. The problem was that I was a modern man who only knew how to live with one foot out the door. The problem was that I didn't know how to belong somewhere. And so for the last five years, y'all, that's what I've been trying to do. That's been my only agenda. I have been trying to submit to the process of learning how to belong somewhere here. And I see it all the time in marriages, families, jobs, and churches. People show up, and they love it. It's great. Oh, my goodness, it's great. But then the new wears off because the new always wears off. And they hit a wall because you always hit a wall. And they start telling themselves that this wall that they're hitting, it's out there. There's a wall out there that I'm hitting. You know, it's, it's whatever. It's my small group. It's the preaching. It's the music. It's the coffee, blah, 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 blah. And they are hitting a wall, but they ain't hitting a wall out there, y'all. They're hitting a wall in here. 
Because freedom, real freedom, real freedom isn't doing whatever you want. It's not having it your own way. No, real freedom is learning how to belong somewhere. That's what real freedom is. And so that is the choice before all of us modern people who love to live with one foot out the door this morning. This is the choice that we all have to make, and this is what I want to leave us with this morning. You can be free and have it your own way and be anonymous, undisciplined, and lonely. Or... You can trade in that fake freedom for the biblical freedom that, as Paul says, is enslaving ourselves to a people and a place, is committing ourselves to each other's good for the long haul. Because that, and not doing whatever you want and having it your own way, that is biblical freedom. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of today. We don't deserve to be here. We are here because of your great mercy. And we confess that and we receive that through Jesus Christ our Lord. We also confess that as modern people, we do love to live with one foot out the door. Telling ourselves we're hitting some wall out there. The problem is always this place, these people, this job, this spouse, these kids, whatever it is. Oh God, but the problem's not out there. The problem's in here. The problem is that a lot of us don't know how to belong somewhere. And so I pray that in these moments, you might help some of us become aware of that in a deeper way. The ways we've been living with one foot out the door. And that we might receive Christ's invitation to plant roots, enslave ourselves to each other's good, so that our freedom doesn't become just another opportunity for self-indulgence. we got better things to do than serve ourselves. We get to love those around us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.